0: Only God knows why he didn't give me a voice like that. I sing in the car in the shower, and I think my head would be about this big if I could sing like that, so that gift is not for everyone. Um, I have the privilege um, of introducing um, our guest today, but as our pastor said, it's not really a guest. It's one of our family members um, and a friend, a friend of Lake Avenue Church for many, many, many years. Uh, Dr. John Perkins uh, was born in Mississippi, a sharecropper's son. He came to Pasadena, and here in this city is where he first encountered Jesus. Um, he was saved in a small church here in Northwest Pasadena. He went back to Mississippi, founded a, a ministry there. He also founded Harambe Ministries here in Pasadena, um, and also um, instrumental in founding Door of Hope, which we all know. Um, and both of those um, in in a really great partnership with Lake Haven Church, which is so inspiring to me that the story of John Perkins' life and our own story as a church is so intertwined and so so connected um, for, from so long ago. I've been here ten years, and I'm excited about what's happened over the ten years. But man, this goes back a really long time. So it's, it's just so great to have you, Dr. Perkins. Um, the impact um, as as Pastor Waybright said, that that he's had across the country is amazing, and it's not only across the country, it's actually all over the world. Um, One of the other ministries he founded was the Christian Community Development Association, which trains and supports people doing Christian community development all over the country, but there's people from other countries who come to that conference to learn from um, the teaching of Dr. Perkins. So. Yeah, impacted just tons of ministries. The way we do ministry at Lake Avenue Church um, is is in the spirit of what he has taught us. So please join me in, in welcoming Dr. John M. Perkins.
1: I really look at this, this Christian life as a, a journey, a journey. Um, and on my journey and on that journey, uh, you somewhere you meet God. And I met him in 1957 uh, here in Pasadena on that journey. I grew up without a mother. My mother died when I was seven months old. I grew up without a father in my life. But growing up as a sharecropper, uh, I developed a strong work ethic. I grew up without that institution of love. That's what a family is supposed to be. The institution of love and where you nurture people. We know that all the criminologists and sociologists now they know that the jail population and all of those things are related to the lack of nurture at an early age. We know that now. I grew up without that, but it was in a little holiness church here in Pasadena that I heard that that there was a God in heaven who had. Send His only begotten Son into the world to die for me. In fact, it was that Galatians 2 verse 220 that really draw home to me my longing. I didn't know what I was longing for. I was longing for love. I was longing for a family. I was longing to belong, to be a part of. As Paul was sharing his own testimony, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And it's the life I now live in the flesh. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For the first time in my life, I realized that there was a God in heaven. And that God, and if there was a God in heaven who had loved me enough to send his only begotten son into the world to die for me I really wanted to know that God that was the beginning of my seeking to know this God and it was there I met God and Pasadena became my Ebenezer Ebenezer and so when I come back here Pasadena. I was fortunate to be discipled by an old white Presbyterian church from Lincoln Avenue, Mr. Wayne Leach, who was a child evangelism teacher who discipled me in the Word of God. He loved me and he dreamed his dreams in me. And so when I come back here to Pasadena, it's like uh, here I raised my Ebenezer hitherto thou help I come, and so I come back here, and then I came back here again after being in Mississippi for twenty two years. I came back here again in nineteen and eighty two and this church, Paul Cedar, had just come to this church, and I was coming back to paul, and I had some of us had decided. That we needed to do something in Northwest Pasadena for crime and violence. At one point, five boys was killed. You don't remember that together as a drug bus up in Pasadena. And it was along about that time we decided that we wanted to do something there, and Veerman and I moved into the community. And I remember meeting with Paul Cedar right at a restaurant around here, and Paul said uh, uh, to me, "John, I wanna, I wanna help you. What can we?" T- Do together. And and I sort of thought that what Paul was saying to me, that uh, uh, we got some money and we can help you. That's what we always be expecting, sort of. But I said to Paul, I don't need any money. We don't need any money. We're not doing anything yet. (laughs) Uh, We don't start with money. And I said, what you need to do is to send me some men up there to work with me. And he did that. He sent Steve Lazarin. He sent uh, Roland Hine. He sent uh, uh, Joyce Turgeon. He sent a, a, a group of brothers up there who we became brothers. And of course they brought their wives along with them. And that was the beginning of Harambee. And so, I'm back to my Ebenezer. I could lose all of my time talking about that, but I got a message I want to share with you this morning. I, I could, this could be just a romantic time, uh, being home. But I, I, have a, I have a message I'd like to, I'd like to share with this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to read a few verses of Scripture there, and then I want to talk to you for a few minutes. I'm just so grateful to be home. Second Corinthians, chapter five, beginning at verse uh, uh, 14. Listen at Paul talks. This is the great uh, biblical passage in terms of redemption. And the mission of the church in the New Testament. This is the great outcome and the demonstration of the gospel. And what the gospel was supposed to do to us and in us. And what we was to become as ambassadors to that message. And let's listen at this here. He says, I says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore was all died. Uh, That's vicarious. In Christ we all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So from now on, we regard no one from a racial, human point of view. Though we once regarded Christ as a Jew from a human point of view, we regard him no more. Then he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, All of this is from God who has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed unto us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making His appeal to us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he said, In the time of my favor I heard you. and the day of salvation I help you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of God's salvation. My, my thoughts this morning is this. Where Paul says, Receive not the grace of God in vain. If there is a frightening scripture in the Bible, there is two scriptures that absolutely frighten me when I think of it. There's one in the book of Hebrews that talks about that there were some people who was once enlightened. They tasted of the heavenly gift. They come to know God. They experience God. And they experience His love and His grace and they turned their back on God, he says there is no redemption for them because they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open chain. This is a similar verse. This is the verse here. Receiving God's grace in vain. So we would need to know what is the grace of God. If it's that horrible, what is the grace of God? The grace of God is God demonstrating all of His love to enter into your life personal so that you can enter into the pain and the aches of the society to turn it around. The grace of God is God by Himself taking his own initiative without your help and in into your life, changing you and then sending you into the pain of people in society. That's the message. That's what Moses did. Moses was wealthy and successful. He ended up fleeing in the desert, somewhat still thinking about the pain And the suffering of His... This was the beginning of redemption. This is the beginning of the redemption story. This is the beginning of God revealing Himself to us. There are people enslaved and they are in pain and aching and suffering. And God by Himself entered into Moses' life in the desert. Grace is God's own initiative. That's what Paul says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith and God intervention is not of Yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not of our own effort, lest anyone should boast. But He creates us so that we might enter in with Him and join with Him to do the good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. God didn't just save us in order that we might be saved and escape hell. God entered into our lives because there is pain in society and God is concerned about the pain he heard the cry he said to Moses i have heard the cry and the agony and the pain of my people and i have come down to deliver them but he said to moses you got to do that you got to do that that's god's grace the apostle paul is mad he's killing the christians He's getting rid of them. He's on his way now to kill a bunch of them. He was the original terrorist. He was the original Osama bin Laden. He is absolutely against those people who are calling up on God. And God by himself, without your help and without even Paul's help, he entered into his life. And he said, I've called you. I've called you to send you far away to the Gentile, far away to those who you are killing, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. comes into our life not just as a fire escape. He comes into our lives. He breaks into our lives with His love and with His grace. And He reaches down and He redeems us. And in gratitude to that redemption, to have that forgiven of sin, now we feel a sense of debt, a sense of obligation. Paul could say that I may know him the way he knew me on that master's road. That I might live in gratitude for him. Christian life is a life of gratitude. It's a life that God intervenes into our lives and gives us the privilege of entering into other people's lives to bear the cross of others. Vicarious suffering is redemptive. He wants us to take up His cross. Let's Jesus bear this cross alone and all this world go free. No. There's a cross for everyone. And there are one, Paul counted the greatest joy to bear the cross of Christ. He said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, this heresy, this prosperity of Christianity, this serving God for what you can get is completely out of line with the redemptive message of God. God redeems us. This is a story of it here. This is a story of redemption. These people's lives are the story of redemption. Their life lives the enter into the pain and the agony and the anger of the Muslim people. Whatever neglect, whatever the pain, that pain, and to take up that cross, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself. Uh, that is the dying of yourself. That That's putting yourself in the hands of God. That's the story of the footsteps in the sand. And as the time gets tougher, the tracks get lesser because God is carrying us he says, take my yoke upon you. No, and my yoke, ain't no yoke easy. The yoke is a burden. Ain't no burden light. But if God get under that burden with you, if God share that burden with you, we become God's redemptive agents in society. I, I could... I was doing a videotape, and it really hit me. I was doing the tape. It really hit me as I was reviewing. I fact, I was working on my memoirs, and I was reviewing my life, and I began to look at the incidents in my life. And because I grew up so poor, and I wanted to be successful, and then I, I became successful that morning in Pasadena when I came to know God. I became successful. But it seemed like to me that what happened to me since then that I find myself... God leading me into the pain of others. And it's usually in that pain. People ask me about that. They ask me about when I was tortured and beaten in the Brandon Jail in Mississippi. It was that night that I saw what racism and bigotry did to white folks. That's when I got my passion. Before that time, I just fought at them for all of their behavior. I thought that was just the way white folks behaved in the South by black folks. I thought that was a part of that culture and behavior. But that night when they was torturing me, I could see that they wasn't behaving on their own. That they wasn't natural People. That demons had took care of them. And they needed that hatred in order to feel a sense of worth. I want you to know something that's happening in the United States now is bad as that. Because back in those days, white folks had the hate of a black. They had the Klu Klux Klan. They had the Pentecostal churches they could go to. Now they don't have the Ku Klux Klan. The Pentecostal churches are rich. And so the poor white people in Mississippi is suffering because nobody loved them. They are trailer park trash because we have set the standard of the world as middle class. And all they're doing now is killing themselves with masks, drugs, nobody like them. They are the most neglected people. There is somebody concerned about the Native Americans. There's there somebody concerned about black people. There's always Jesse Jackson. There's always Al Sharpton. There's always somebody. But the poor white in America has nobody concerned about him. And I go out and I preach to them. I go into the schools. They invite like me to go into the schools. And I tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and how God redeemed me and what happened to me. And those young white poor people come up to me crying and weeping because nobody is telling them that there's a God in heaven that loves them and I want you to know that even our political system today is not doing that our social system is not doing that they have wrapped society up, a lot of y'all up in these right wing, left wing conservative, democrat bags. And you can keep on, you can keep your hate. Now, you don't hate people individually. You hate them because they're a member of a different party. And so we are packaged. And so our nation can't repent. Our nation can't repent because they can't feel that they are doing nothing wrong because they got us in a conservative package, a liberal package, a Democrat package, a left-wing party, a Tea Party package. And those people, wait, those people can't do nothing good for nobody but themselves. Ms. Palin can leave a $150,000 a year job to get one for $5 million. They can do things for themselves. They can't do nothing for you and me. This is a day in America for me. I can be both a patriot for America and a Christian at the same time because our nation is at risk. Our nation is at risk. There is a blindness. There is a liberal, conservative, Tea Party, right-wing blindness that everybody I meet hates one of those. All the Christians I meet mostly hate one of those. And they try to get me to join with their hatred. They hate Obama. They hated George Bush. They hate her. that. That's what the system is about. And you're okay with them when you hate somebody. That ain't no message of love, grace. That ain't no message of grace. God's grace is when He voluntarily by Himself Entered into the pain, my pain. I was worse than any of those, but God entered into my pain. And He released my pain. And He said, for me, to bear the pain of others. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are working together with God. We are pain bearers. Pain can only be redeemed. There is some saying the only way you can get rid of them is to get forgiveness in the world. And so we are at a crucial time in the history of our nation. There's a new people emerging. I feel it here at Lake Avenue. I felt it last night when I met with the staff. It's something new happening right here. This church is not what it was when I left here in 96. The whole racial environment here, the whole service this morning, the whole environment here is different. Uh, New people are being developed. The people who are seeing themselves is in Christ. And in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Born the free, but we are one in Jesus Christ. Lake Avenue is becoming like that. When did a Mexican girl get up here and read the Scripture? When was there a black person on the staff? When was there two black musicians singing up in here? This church here is beginning to look like the kingdom of God. That's our work. That's our work. That's our work. A new people is emerging. A new people is emerging in America. And these people in Christ, it's the love of God compelling them. It's not that political self-interest. It's the love of God. This group of people, we are at a crucial time. This message, let me close. This message here is referring back to when Moses led the children of Israel to Kadesh Barnea and they refused to go into the land. That's what he's saying, receive not the grace. Of God. God in that first two years, after he redeemed them out of Egypt, slavery, God performed every miracle in the redemption of them from Egypt before Pharaoh. And Himself, God coming down at the Red Sea and in and in. And God staying with them in that wilderness out there as an air conditioner by day and as a heater by night. God's presence was out there with them. He fed them with food from heaven for 40 years. He gave them water and he showed his power to save and to preserve. And he brought them to Kadesh Barnea and told them to go into the land. He pulled out all of his grace upon them. And instead of them going to the land, they refused. And because of that, all of the 20 years and old had to go back in the wilderness to die There was no redemption for them. Even Moses, even loving Moses, had to die out there in the wilderness. But look, they came back there 40 years later with a new people, a new creation. God had created him from new people. Only two is going to go in, and that's going to be Caleb and Joshua is going to go in, There were new people. I believe that we in America, God has been good to us. I want you to know that from the day that I came to Pasadena to be here 28 years ago, up until a few years ago, we have lived in the most prosperous, richest, successful time in the history of the world. There is no days like those days have been. We couldn't find ways to care for the poor. With all of our budget. we couldn't find ways to provide health care for people. These political systems couldn't do nothing for nobody. Now God has taken all that stuff away. We couldn't educate people. We said, let's lock them all up in jail. Let's give them three strikes and they're out. Now we've got to let those people out of jail. We can't afford them there in our society. I believe we had Katie Splendid the second time. And I believe that God is raising up a whole new people like those young people over there. A whole new people like this staff here. And God is want us, this church, to enter into the pain of the world. You are doing that. Enter into the pain of the world. I'm calling on our people, the big churches. I'm going to the Willow Creeks and others. And I'm saying to them, look, look, look. We are extracting these people from these little neighborhoods. We need to be planting little congregations in those neighborhoods because we can use those young, work with those young folks, and help them to get skills and help them to develop. And we can get them off to college and we can nurture them. We need to be planting churches, planting churches. All of them need to be be special. Need to be special. Oh well, we. I remember when King's Manor was out of control, and, and we moved. Nearer to kind of church, but we got in touch with this little, this little community church. And, and now they got a woman there who's a pastor who's concerned, and we need to nurture those kind of places where there is pain. We need to enter in that pain with those people. That's, that's what I said to the, the elders here when we were working here talking about changing this community. I think for Lake her, that you stayed here. I know there was time you were sorry you stayed here when you had all those millions of dollars of debt. But boy, you did the right thing. You stayed here. And I said, God is going to bless us if we stay here. We're on a crossroad of life. And you can become the church here. You can be the church here in this community that can take on the pain. Y'all did that with me. And I feel just as confident. I feel just as confident. I feel if I am in some pain, you're gonna I feel that. And so we're at a crossroad in this nation. Well, four years later, God raised up a new race, a new creation, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise. Go with this, Jordan. I think God is saying that to us. This nation was formed with such a great creed. There was never a nation in history that ever had a creed like the American creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men is created and women are created equal and endowed by their creator with rights among those of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We decided we would not make our nation after our race. All the other nations made that nation after that race. And we thought we're going to have a new experience. We're going to reflect the kingdom of God. We're going to be one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. We have backed out of that. And we have been wandering in the wilderness. I'm saying that we are out of place now. There is a young generation of people that can lead us into that reality. This church will have to do it. Political systems can't do it. It's going to take people whose life is hid with God in Christ. It's going to take people who have been crucified with Christ. It's going to be take people who have intentionally taken on the pain of our society. and God is going to lift us out. And so I... I got all kinds of. Yesterday I was speaking to these young folks. Every week I'm speaking to thousands of young people in America, and there's a whole new people who's not blind by this right, left, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. It don't work. It's old. It's obsolete. It's woe out. It's been overexploited they allow these millionaires on Wall Street to rip off the world and you don't hear no voice about it from the church. It's obsolete. We need what the world needs is God's grace. And we are the ministers of that grace. We are the ambassadors of that grace. And God is pleading with you, and he's pleading with us to be reconciled, to enter into the pain. I thank you. I think I am glad y'all are here. Because y'all are the example of the pain that we're to take on. And we can take on more pain. We can take on more pain. And that God is going to get under our pain. And our yoke is going to be easy. Because it's not going to be our pain. It's going to be vicarious suffering. We are suffering for others. We are suffering, and God is going to join us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this place. I thank you for these people who have been so good to me, who I can depend on, who have entered. Thank you for what you're doing in this congregation. Lord, I pray that you would walk with us, walk with us as we are on this pilgrim journey. We need you to walk with us. We ask all this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.